KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. For the past month, Brazil has been on edge. But it seems like the matter of who will be the next president of South America's largest democracy has finally been settled. Incumbent Jair Bolsonaro has reportedly signaled he will accept defeat to challenger Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva in what was the closest presidential race in Brazil since it returned to a democracy in 1985. I've always been labeled undemocratic, but unlike my accusers, I've always played by the rules of the Constitution. Who is the 77-year-old Lula, who also held the office of president in the early 2000s? And how did he end up in jail? He knows perfectly well that governing Brazil today yeah, is quite different than governing Brazil at the beginning of the 21st century. Diego Armas is a professor of history at Swarthmore College. He specializes in Latin America. The most important goal for Brazil today is national unity and their democratic rule. I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio In Depth, we do a deep dive on the Brazilian presidential election. What was it all about, and what could a second stint under Lula look like? So let's talk about who was on the ballot here for the presidency. The incumbent was Jair Bolsonaro, a polarizing figure for people who aren't familiar. Tell us a little bit about him, give us his background, and why his term was so polarizing. Okay, so let's start first yeah, with his uh, performance as the legislature. Bolsonaro is a politician with a military background, and he became uh, more well-known yeah, in the context of the impeachment of former President Dilma Rousseff. Yeah, It was in that juncture that uh, Bolsonaro gained some notoriety, uh, addressing basically issues of uh, corruption the corruption present in the government led by the Workers' Party. He made a quite effective use of social media, and and this is important then and now, yeah, uh, when Bolsonaro won the, the other election and this one in which he lost. yeah, In Brazil, party politics and Congress politics, what we see is very a very clear fragmentation yeah, with several dozens of political parties, some national, some regional, some even local parties. So when Brazilian presidential elections need a second round, these very diverse political forces are obligated to negotiate and form coalitions under one candidate. And Bolsonaro won with the support of the right and the extreme right in a time where some of the prosperity present in the first two Lula presidencies at the beginning of the 21st century uh, were gone. So as president, Bolsonaro got the support of the evangelicals, the powerful landowners in central Western Brazil, and the sectors of the military. And critics of Bolsonaro usually say that his government was a government of three B, B as Bible, B as ballots, and be as beef. The truth is that during Bolsonaro administration, spending on education and health was drastically reduced. Bolsonaro's managing of the COVID pandemic was pathetic. Standards of living have been consistently declining, and his environmental policies were catastrophic, especially in the Amazon basin. But Bolsonaro is, it's obvious at this point, one of the many autocrats, uh, that are pop- have been populating both the global uh, north and the global south. Still, and this is perhaps the point that I want to 
to emphasize, he has made a very good election. There is no doubt about that. Yeah, his vote, besides the hardcore of Bolsonaristia, yeah, who, by the way, are not forming a very well consolidated yeah, political organization. Yeah, Bolsonaro's party yeah, is not really a modern party. Most of uh, Bolsonaro's uh, vote this turn yeah, came from those who did not wanted Lula to win. Okay, for all the issues connected with Lula uh, with corruption. Yeah. So this is basically the, the electoral capital of Bolsonaro. Yeah. Uh, Bolsonaris on the one hand, and on the other hand, yeah, those who don't want Lula to return to government. Yeah. Something is important. In the second round, yeah, in the second electoral round, yeah, out of 10 million votes disputed, yeah, those who voted yeah, for other candidates yeah, in the first round, other than Lula Bolsonaro, out of these 10 million votes, yeah, uh, Bolsonaro got 7 million, and Lula only two and a half, almost three. So this is more or less the context in which we still have yeah, uh, this sort of uh, Brazilian autocrat yeah, uh, with uh, an important base of uh, electoral support. It seems to me, listening to your discussion and stuff that I've read, you can't help but notice a lot of similarities with Bolsonaro and Donald Trump. The use of social media, the autocratic tendencies, if not outright wants. Is it framed that way within Brazil that there's a connection with Bolsonaro and Trump? Well, I mean, I imagine that the, the hardcore Bolsonaristas yeah, are very sympathetic with Trump. I still remember yeah, returning from my last trip from Argentina. I'm Argentinian. Yeah? I saw a number of Brazilians who were tourists in Buenos Aires using the MAGA hats. Yeah, yeah I, I couldn't be surprised yeah, that uh, at least certain, some of the votes that went for Bolsonaro, Bolsonaro are in fact in the line of what we can see, the Trumpist base of support here in the United States. Yeah, But I want to insist that uh, it's very difficult to understand this massive electoral support that he got only thinking that these are hard-called Bolsonaroists. Uh, a very important portion of this vote had more to do with anti, anti-Lula political reaction. Let's talk about Lula. I believe his, his entire name, Luiz Inacio Lula da Silva. Give us a little background on him past just the fact that he is a former president. Just to make a connection with, with the support that Bolsonaro got, Bolsonaro got yeah, in this last election, and then we can go to your point. Yeah, Lula also has his core support with a group of members of a very well-organized modern political party, the Workers' Party. But also Lula got some of his votes from many sectors yeah, who are basically anti-Bolsonaro Okay, uh, so the same kind of uh, relation. Yeah, on the one hand, on the Bolsonaro camp, you have anti-Lula votes. You have many votes that Lula got in this uh, in this election yeah, that are basically not pro-Lula, but basically anti-Bolsonaro. So in order to win Lula's workers' parties, yeah, somehow needed yeah, to build an electoral coalition yeah, that includes groups from the left the center and their center right. Actually, Lula's elected vice president, it's a center right politician, a center right politician who used to be one of his political rivals. But Lula understood perfectly well that the priority for Brazil this time has is basically to build an electoral coalition that is able to address 
the restoration of democracy and its institutions. So it's too early to say, but it's in that Lula gesture, celebrating uh, his victory on last Sunday, giving plenty of room yeah, to his uh, vice president, yeah, condensate what could be his government, a government that is quite moderate in need to negotiate with the political groups in Congress from the center right. Interesting enough, yeah, this is the same center right that was negotiating with Bolsonaro in the last four years. So Lula uh, is a very skillful politician, but uh, his interlocutors, these center-right yeah, po um, political parties in Congress, yeah, uh, will put a lot of uh, conditions to whatever Lula can do or will try to achieve. So no doubt, yeah, today's Brazil is totally split uh, society in electoral terms, in social terms, even in geographical terms. Yeah. So after four years of Bolsonaro, what Lula said in his speech is basically the most important goal for Brazil today is national unity under democratic rules and the recuperation of credibility and stability, the preconditions that make Brazil, yeah, as in the past, very attractive of foreign investors. More or less, this is what he was saying yeah, last Sunday, yeah, celebrating his victory. That he knows perfectly well that governing Brazil today yeah, is quite different than governing Brazil at the beginning of the 21st century. Yeah. First of all, because the international conjuncture yeah, is quite different. Yeah. International prices of commodities uh, at that time gave Brazil plenty of resources, not only to grow, but also to redistribute and facilitate to redistribute income yeah, and facilitate some social upward mobility uh, for more than, and this is quite a number, 20 million Brazilians. Those were really very prosperous years in Brazil. So this is the win this time. Yeah. And just to put a fine point in it, Lula did serve time in prison, correct? Correct. For that corruption. Yeah. For corruption. Yeah. You gave a list of the Bolsonaro term and it wasn't very impressive. Other than anti-Lula forces, what were the things that he pushed for re-election on? Like, what did his hardcore supporters that love him, was it culture war type stuff, as we would call it here in the U.S., that that pushed his his followers to, to want him to win again? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, there was plenty of these, of these issues, yeah. In a context in which standards of living, yeah, for the majority of Brazilians, in deep crisis, yeah, okay. So it's cultural war, yeah, somehow providing most of the at least rhetorical tools for uh, for Bolsonaro issues connected with abortion, issues connected with uh, religion, yeah, yeah, no doubt, yeah, the, the cultural wars, yeah, is perhaps something that is relatively new in the, in the United States. Yeah, cultural wars has been part of the of the scenario yeah, for quite some time. I would say that in Brazil, never in the past was so acute as it is now. We need to take a break. We will have more with Diego Armas right after this. This is KYW News Radio In-Depth. And we are back continuing our conversation on the Brazilian presidential election with Diego Armas, professor of history at Swarthmore College. When the votes are counted, Lula wins about 51-49, looks like by about, you know, 2 million votes or so. And a lot of people kind of held their breath. Would Bolsonaro accept Lula's victory? Obviously, we, I 
talked earlier about the connection with Trump, and we all know the damage Trump has done by denying that he lost the election. But it seems like Bolsonaro has accepted defeat. Am I giving him too much credit, or is that where we are as we're recording this on Wednesday evening? Well, as, as of today, it seems to me that he didn't uh, concede. Yeah. People from his uh, entourage yeah, uh, were making clear that the transition towards the Lula, third Lula's government already started. But uh, some people are saying that are speculating that he will never concede. But the transition, yeah, it seems that it's, it's in already started. He's not going to concede is one thing, but it would seem to me you the point you make that he allows the transition to begin and not actively fanning the flames saying it was stolen. It seems to me most people are happy with that. We'll take that and we'll consider that a win and move on. It seems yeah, what what we can see or what I can read now in the papers and watching yeah, uh, the news. Yeah, I would say that uh, I'm not certain that Bolsonaro will will end up being the most important voice of the opposition, yeah, uh, if the transition works uh, well, yeah. Uh, there are new politicians, some of them, yeah, not, not new, I mean, politicians who won state elections, yeah, that probably will be much more vocal than uh, than him, yeah. Among them, the, the governor of the state of Sao Paulo, the, the economically most powerful state uh, in Brazil, yeah, the core of the industrial uh, Brazil, yeah. But my impression is that, and this is the difference with Trump, yeah, uh, he's not going to be the voice of the opposition. One of the reasons a lot of people that are maybe just casual about politics in the U.S. and really pay no attention to politics anywhere else, but paid attention was because of his environmental policies. Kind of talk to us about what Bolsonaro's environmental policies meant with regards to the globe and what his defeat means now going forward? Well, basically, um, you know that Brazil is a huge country yeah, with this huge Amazon basin yeah, full of natural resources. yeah, And, uh, and he was facilitating yeah, the deforestation of great chunks of uh, large chunks of of the forest, yeah, basically because the large landowners of the western central Brazil, yeah, were one of the main supporters of his government. And this is a very expansive economy. Yeah? Parts of the rainforests are becoming areas in which you can do agro-industry or you can do cattle raising. Brazil is one of the most important beef exporters in the world. Yeah, It was in the years of the Bolsonaro regime that the deforestation of Brasilia, in fact, yeah, made headlines everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, and there was plenty of concern yeah, uh, in Europe, here, as you said, in the United States. yeah. And actually, this is one of the key issues that uh, Lula is, is, has been addressing in his, uh, in his campaign, yeah? a drastic redu the reduction yeah, of uh, deforestation. I would say that perhaps this is something that Lula will try to achieve yeah, soon, but the power of the, of the large landowners in center-west Brasilia has been and continue to be extremely, extremely, extremely strong. I see so many of the same things with the American political system that we saw here. How many people weren't voting for candidate A? They were just voting against candidate B or vice versa. Can Brazil get back to some sense of normalcy under Lula or will the Bolsonaro supporters just kind of never let that happen? 
Well, I hope so, yeah, that Brazil can return. And I, I, Lula is an extremely uh, skillful uh, negotiator, yeah, and uh, and he knows that he has to make uh, arrangements, deals, yeah, to negotiate with these center-right political parties yeah, that at the end define yeah, uh, where Congress is going, yeah. The key issue is that what the center-right yeah, political parties, yeah, will be demanding from Lula and how much he will be able to negotiate with them, yeah. This is totally open, yeah. Some commentators in many areas of the world today are saying that, well, maybe Lula's government yeah, will be an evidence of a second pink wave, yeah, in Latin American politics. The, the first pink wave took place, yeah, at the beginning of the 21st century, in which many Latin American countries, taking advantage of the international price of commodities, yeah, were enjoying a moment of expansion, of economic expansion. In some cases, they were able to redistribute resources. Lula, perhaps, was one of the most efficient cases. So the idea that maybe Lula represents, along with what is going on in Chile or in Colombia, yeah, part of this new pink, so-called pink wave. I mean, after all, yeah, the left, center left in so many different colors, yeah, won six out of the, I think that 11, yeah, presidential elections. I am a little bit skeptical about this sort of reading of Latin American politics nowadays, yeah. I think that perhaps the most distinctive feature of, of Latin American politics is a different one. Firstly, uh, the context is not the one that I just mentioned at the beginning of the 21st century, yeah. Okay, mainly because, as I said, international prices of commodities are not the same. Yeah, the reduction of the Chinese demand of those commodities is not the same. The gas crisis resulting from the war. Yeah, all of these is somehow define a very complicated scenario with uh, plenty of restrictions and limitations. But perhaps the most important issue here, yeah, it seems that to understand. The last presidential electoral results in Latin America is not ideology. Uh, ideology, it seems that is not the way in which we can make sense of these uh, results. Ideologies towards the left or towards the right. I would say that, in fact, yeah, the way to understand this is basically that the opposition, any oppositions, yeah, tend to win, no matter its ideology. And perhaps there is a number that supports what I'm, I'm suggesting yeah, is that the opposition won 10 out of 11 elections. So somehow this is a very clear indication that yeah, all these uh, elected governments, center-right or center-left, yeah, will have to be extremely pragmatic. This is a pragmatism that uh, uh, that we see in Boric, yeah, the, president, yeah, the elected president in Chile. Yeah. This is the pragmatism that uh, Petro yeah, announced for Colombia. And certainly Lula yeah, already made clear that, yeah, uh, when he insists that, yeah, first is uh, national unity, second is uh, regaining stability uh, and credibility in order to be able to attract their foreign capitals. Look, the only country mentioned yeah, in Lula's uh, victory speech was the United States. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. 